Matthew chapter 6. book of Matthew chapter 6 this morning and our text is going to be found in verses 19 and we'll conclude at verse number 24. And it reads like this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore, if there for your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If there, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate one, and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today, and we pray, God, that you would just continue to have your way. We thank you for moving in the worship service. We thank you, God, for everything that you are, for bringing us here today, for waking us up and breathing life into us, God. And, Father, allowing us to arrive here to this destination for such a time as this. You brought us here for a reason, and Father, I believe that you're right on time. And Father, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open and that we'd be receptive to your word. And Father, that it would bring change in our lives, that it would challenge us, and that you would be glorified in all that is said and done. And we're careful to give you all the honor and all the glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. The title of my message this morning is Money Matters. Money matters now as soon as i said money some of you in this place already blocked me out see one of the raps that churches have today is that they're always supposedly asking for money see but i can't speak for any other church but i can speak for our church i can honestly say and i say that i say this with uh uh kind of ashamed kind of you know embarrassed to say but this is my first message that I'm preaching entirely on this subject here this morning. And, you know, a lot of churches, uh, they have, whether they speak about it quarterly or at the beginning of the year or, you know, a couple times throughout the year or whatever the case may be, there's different seasons that they'll, you know, they'll filter one of these messages in there. But, you know, I have not been doing what God has called me to do and, uh, I acknowledge that today, and I, I, I'm confessing this morning that I need to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. It's easy to preach about vision. It's easy to preach about victory. It's easy to preach about the storms and the battles of life. It's easy to preach about breakthroughs. But as a pastor, as a man of God, it's not so easy sometimes to get up here and preach about money because we have enough critics as it is. We have enough cynical individuals as it is, not here in the local church, not our church. How many can say amen? amen. Come on, loosen up. Don't get too, you know, uh, tight-fisted on me just yet because we ain't done the offering yet. Amen? 
But I recognize and I realize that I'm robbing you of being blessed by God. If I'm not going to speak about what the word of God says, then I'm robbing you from allowing God to bless your life and informing you and teaching you what the Bible says, the principles about giving. And I'm here to tell you this morning that, that money matters. It matters. You see, I know what I'm up against when I have to tackle this topic of money here in the church. But I hope to persuade you that it's important to hear what the Bible has to say. You see, according to Jesus, money is a spiritual issue. And since it's a spiritual issue, we need to address it for at least a few reasons. The first reason, and these aren't my points, but these are some of the reasons why myself as a pastor, periodically, I have to address and I have to persuade you in these issues. The first one is the Bible has more to say about money than, about, than almost any other subject. It has a lot to say about money or possessions or the things that we accumulate, land or otherwise. Another reason, number two, is giving will help us as a church to get where we're going. Because I don't know if you realize or not, this church is going to go somewhere. I said, I don't know if you realize it or not, but this church, Victory Outreach East Phoenix, is going somewhere. There's a purpose, there's a plan, there's a destiny that God has, not only for our lives, but the life of this church. But let's make no mistake about it, it takes finances in order to get there. I don't hear too many amens no more. It takes finances. Anything that's worth something will cost something. And if the body of Christ, it's worth something, that's why it costs Jesus Christ, his physical body. And if the church is worth something, it's going to cost something. So giving will help us as a church to get where we're going. And then the last reason is, number three, there are incredible benefits to giving. And I kind of went ahead of myself and I said that I'm going to rob you if I don't teach you about the principles of giving. I'm going to rob you and the body of Christ and the church and I look at some of your eyes and some of you are like, oh man, why can't he preach about my problem this morning? One of your problems is money. How many can say amen? Come on, let's keep it real, right? But that's why we have to address this issue because there's a lot of benefits. There's incredible benefits to giving. So before we jump into our text for today, let me make a couple observations. See, at times we struggle with materialism. If we're honest, if we're honest, we all struggle at times from one point or another with materialism. Some of us, we want to buy that nice brand new car, but we really can't afford it. Some of us would love to buy a brand new house already, but can we really afford it? Some of us would love to purchase this, that, or the other thing, or go this place or that place. But the question is, can we really afford it? So if we're all honest, I believe at one point or another or periodically, we all struggle with the topic of materialism. See, John Stott put it this way. We cannot maintain a life of extravagance and a good conscience simultaneously. One or the other has to be sacrificed. Either we keep our conscience and reduce our affluence by giving generously and helping those in need, or we keep our affluence and smother our conscience. We have to choose between God and money. 
See, Jesus realizes that most people struggle with managing money. That's why he devoted much of his teachings to this critical area of life. He dealt with money matters because money matters. While Jesus taught on many different topics, his most famous message is called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's found in Matthew 5, chapter 5, as well as all the way through verse no, chapter 6 and 7 as well. See, I'm sure there were, when he was teaching this, this, this famous message, I'm, I'm sure that there were some critics who were listening to Jesus that very day. They probably wondered who this new teacher was. They may have been turned off by religion at one point or another. But as they listened, their, sin, their criticism turned to interest. They were impressed with his insight and his practical teaching. He covered many of the subjects of life, how to treat others, how to forgive, how to handle lust, how to handle worry, the importance of knowledge or keeping your word, and the difference between true as well as false prayer. Eventually, he came to the subject of money. That really shouldn't surprise us because money is a big part of what life is all about. We work for money, we live for money, we think about money, we wish we had more, and we worry that we don't have enough. In the book of Matthew, in our text, chapter 6, 19 through 24, in our text, Jesus challenges us with the question, where is your treasure? He helps us find the answer by giving us a few tests. And that's what we're going to look at because money matters we're going to go over some tests, and I want us to examine ourselves and look in the mirror and say, okay, how am I doing in these areas that we're tested in? And the first test is the durable test, the dura or the durability test. This first or the first test is found in verse 19 as well as 20, and it asks the question, how long will it last? In verse 19, it's a negative command. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But verse number 20 is the positive. It says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. See, do you notice the word treasures? That word treasures, Jesus did not say money because while everyone does not have a lot of money, we all have things that we treasure. Our treasure may be a home, a car, a computer, our clothes, or even a position that we hold or seek after. See, while Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to have treasures, he's telling us that our focus should be laying up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. See, the first life skill that Jesus wants us to develop is to stop living just for today. This command is in the present tense. It literally means to stop storing up. We're to stop doing something that by nature we've been doing for most of our lives. Jesus knows that our natural inborn desire is to accumulate things. See, that doesn't mean that we can't have material possessions or own property or save for the future. The key lies in the little phrase, for yourselves. Jesus is forbidding the selfish, self-centered accumulating of goods as the major end of life. See, let me stop here because it's real quiet in here and I know I caught you off guard. I hit you where it hurts like, man, 
Like, I thought he was going to come and preach about victory. I thought we were going to come and hear how God can move in our situations and how God can deliver us and set us free. And you're here and you're kind of like hard to, it's hard for you to engage with me this morning. And it's hard for me to engage with you because I can sense it. There's a barrier that gone up as soon as I mentioned the word money. And we get funny when somebody talks about money. How many can say amen now? Amen. You know, it, it's, it's hard for me, and obviously it's hard for you to listen to it. It's hard. That's why, you know, me, I, I kind of been dancing around for about four years and eight months, almost nine months, and haven't really shared much about money. And if you've been here for a while, you can attest to that, and you can say amen that I'm telling the truth. How many can say Amen. Now, I may do the offering and make a, a, a plea about money and, and, you know, use a verse about money. But as far as a message on money, this is not something easy to do. And it's not something easy for you to listen to, obviously, as well. But it's in the Bible, and Jesus talked more about this than any other subject. So it's of importance, and we need to learn why. We need to learn why. How many guys say, man, I struggle when it comes to money. I want to be blessed when it comes to my finances. Who can say praise the Lord? Lord. We're going to learn a few things. So just realize there's a durability test. The durability test. See, the first life skill is like I said, he wants to develop is for us to stop living just for today. See, a lot of us were willing to, to live like there's no tomorrow. But we have to understand not only is there a tomorrow, but there's an all eternity. There's something that we have waiting for us called eternal life. There's a heaven, a destination that we all hope to arrive at at one time or another. How many can say amen? There's somewhere that we're headed. There's something that God wants us to do here on earth that will help prepare us for heaven. But it doesn't mean that we can't have material possessions. Because two things happen to the things we own. Now listen to me. I know I'm not really preaching. I'm going to do a little bit more teaching. But try to just listen and let the Spirit of God minister to you. First, the material things, they decay. See, in ancient times, wealth was measured in part by clothing. Garments represented a considerable investment. The best clothes were made of wool. No matter how beautiful the clothing, moths, Moths would often attack and chew right through the garments. Coupled with the attack of the killer moths, rust would corrode and consume things of value. Second, our possessions can disappear. Valuables were often buried out in the field or hidden in a brick wall. Back then, thieves would literally break into the walls and dig up the yard as they searched for valuables. See, if you try to store your wealth, the moss will find it or rust will consume it. If you try to hide it for yourself, these will look to steal it. Jesus is saying that earthly wealth is very insecure. It either decays over time or it disappears altogether. In the book of Job 27, just bear with me, we're going somewhere. The book of Job, chapter 27, in verse 16 through 20, it reads, Though he heaps up silver like dust and clothes like piles of clay, 
What he lays up for the righteous will wear. And the innocent will divide, divide his silver. The house he builds is like moth's cocoon. Like a hut made by a watchman. He lies down wealthy, but will do so no more. When he opens his eyes, all is gone. Terrors overtake him like a flood. A tempest snatches him away in the night. Basically, earthly treasures are fleeting and futile. But heavenly treasures are secure. In 1 Peter 1 and 4, it says, And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. See, treasures that we sent on ahead are moth-proof, rust-proof, and burglar-proof. How many guys like that? The treasures that we send on before us to heaven are moth-proof, rust-proof, as well as burglar-proof. In the book of Matthew 6.20 in our text, it says, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, the issue is not whether we'll store up wealth. That's a given if we're men and women of God. The only question is where we'll do our banking. Since earthly treasures are unstable and insecure, Jesus challenges us to make long-term investments that are permanent and guaranteed. Deposits made in the first national bank of heaven will never decay or disappear. They're protected and insured by God himself. See, there's no, th there's no thieves up in heaven that could steal what we sent on before us. There's no moths flying around looking for our investment up in heaven. There's no burglars that are going to make it to heaven. How many can say amen? Unless they've given their lives to the Lord. See, I know of a... Uh, so that leads uh, to a question. How do we make deposits on earth that yield dividends in heaven? Let me answer that in just one sentence. You store up treasures in heaven by investing your money in that which lasts for eternity. And I know of two things that will last forever. The word of God and people. Behold, everything else, or beloved, everything else will decay or disappear. Cars, motorcycles, if you have a boat. You know, homes, clothes, jobs, salaries, vacations, toys, and buildings will all pass away. They wear out, rust out, blow up, or fall apart. Nothing that's material lasts forever. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 17, it says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Since the only... Uh, since only the word of God and people last forever, we need to develop a long-term view. The ultimate investment you can make is to give financially to help communicate the word of God to people. It's the durability test. Number two, a lot quicker, is the heart test. The heart test. Are you guys still here this morning? The heart test. Money matters. And because of it, it matters. We have to go through this heart test. The second test asks the question, where are you investing your time and money? And it's found in verse 21 of our text. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To put it plainly, Jesus is saying that your heart follows your money. That's not the way most of us think, though. 
We tend to think our money follows our hearts. If our heart is right, we'll spend our money wisely. But that's not the way it works because your heart always follows your treasure. Whatever you invest your time and money in will become very important to you. To many of us, we spend all that we have on the things of this world, and then we wonder why we have trouble concentrating on the things of God. See, our problem is that we've invested everything down here and hardly anything up there. Our money has kept our heart tied to the earth. You'll never be able to get your heart focused on heaven as long as your mind is on earthly things. If we're not careful, the things we think we own in reality will own us. See, what I'm saying is this. Your heart will always follow your money. Your heart will be wrapped up in one, uh, in, in what you treasure. Possessions can very easily become the center of our lives. It's the heart test. Where's your heart this morning? What do you think about? What drives you? What wakes you up? What keeps you going? What do you focus on throughout your day? What accumulates a lot of your time and your energy and a lot of your thoughts? Because where our heart is, I'm here to tell you that our treasures will be there first. So the heart test. And number three, real quick, is the master test. Lastly, the third and final test focuses on our will and asks the question, whom do you serve? Let's look at verse 24. It reads of our text, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. To serve means that we've made a choice and engaged our wills. If we're not careful, we can be deluded by thinking material things will last forever. The word Jesus uses here for money is the word mammon, which is a proper noun or a name. Jesus viewed money as a rival for preeminence. Attachment to money leads to a detachment from God. The Bible is absolutely clear about the venomous nature of money. It fights for supremacy in our lives and it has many of the characteristics of deity. It promises security, freedom, and even power. To be a committed Christ follower is not merely a matter of emotions, but also of our minds as well as our will. To love God requires service and even sacrifice. This type of allegiance cannot be rendered to two parties. Whatever we devote ourselves to become our God, the tension that, that many of us experience when we try to love both God as well as money will sooner or later begin to show where our real loyalty lies. Only one master will win out. See, money is not just a natural medium of exchange, but a power with life of its own which seeks to control and even consume us. The goal of this money master is total domination of your value system without you even being aware of it. So if you're serving the money master, Jesus says you'll be unable to fully serve God. He doesn't say you better not or it would be unwise to serve both. He says you cannot serve both God and money. As such, how we handle our money has a lot to do with how serious we are about obeying God. His words are unsettling. If you love money, you'll end up hating God. 
If you are devoted to the pursuit of possessions and the making of money, you'll find yourself despising the things of God. I believe most of you do not want to hate God. How many can say amen? amen? I said, how many can say amen? amen? In fact, you're here because you want to learn how you can get to know him even better. I'm not going to lie to you. You'll never be able to fully love God if you're in love with money and all that money can buy. Loving God and loving money are like water and oil. They just don't mix together. We've all heard the expression money talks, right? Have you ever listened, really listened to what money says? Have you really listened to what it says? I came across this and this is what it says. I thought it, it's timely. This is what money says if you listen to it when it talks. You hold me in your hand and call me yours. Yet, may I not as well call you mine? See how easily I rule you? To gain me, you would all but die. I am invaluable as rain, essential as water. Yet I, do not, yet I do not hold the power of life. I am futile without the stamp of your desire. I go nowhere unless you send me. My power is terrific. Handle me carefully and wisely, lest you become my servant, rather than I yours. As someone has said, money is a wonderful servant, but a lousy master. See, when Jesus was asked a question about a money matter, he told a story that illustrates how easy it is to fail these tests. In the book of Luke, turn with me, we're just about done. In the book of Luke, chapter 12 and verse number 15, where's my worship team at? You need to tell them all they need to be over here, all of them. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, greed is something that we all struggle with. If we don't admit it and put up our guard, we will all be consumed by it. The word means, the word means a thirst for having more. That word consumed, it means a thirst for having more. The reason we have to watch out is because we can bring or begin to think that our life consists of our possessions. If we have a lot, then we're doing well. If we don't have much, we feel like we're missing out on something. Almost like we're not really living. In the book of Luke uh, that I just read, chapter 12, verse 17 through 19, the Bible says he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. See, did you notice how many times this man uses the words me, myself, and I? Twelve times in three verses. His greed is unchecked. His focus is on what he can see. He begins to feel good about himself and inflates his importance and expertise. Beloved, let me tell you, it can be dangerous to be successful in your business or in your career. You can begin to feel like you've got it made. The accumulation of things can deceive you into thinking that you're better off than you really are. Because of this man's windfall in his short-term investment, he decided to coast. He could retire and just take life easy. He had no concerns. His life consisted of eating, drinking, as well as partying. Do you see the deception? He was storing up treasures on earth with long-term investments, uh, with no long-term investment strategy for the next life. 
Notice what happens next in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Because this man had earthly perspective, an earthly perspective instead of a heavenly perspective. He focused his energy only on this life. I'm sure he was considered to be very successful by his friends as well as his family. God, however, has a different view of this man. Because he was laying up treasures for himself on earth and had made no eternal investments, God calls him a fool. When he dies, all his possessions and his shiny new barns will disappear and be given to someone else. He failed the durability test, the heart test, as well as the master test. And then Jesus concludes this parable with an application for each of us in verse number 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. See, what about us? What about you this morning? Are you storing up things only for yourself? Are you just focused on this world? If so, you're in trouble. Because if I'm not rich toward God, God says, I'm a fool. That's the master's test. I have an illustration before we close. You may have heard it before, but it's good. You're going to hear it again. A rich man died and went to heaven. As he went through the pearly gates, Peter came to greet him and said, Welcome to heaven. Let me show you where you'll be staying. That suited the rich man just fine because as he looked around, he saw mansions stretching out in every direction. They were beautiful. They were beautiful. They appeared to be constructed of gold and silver and precious gems. As Peter and the rich man began to walk along the streets of gold, they came to, a, to an ornate home. As they pushed to gaze at it, or they paused to gaze at it, the rich man said, who gets to stay here? St. Peter replied, that's for your janitor. He was a godly man who loved Jesus and served him all his life. This is his reward. They continued to stroll past other mansions until they stopped in front of an extremely large one that seemed to be made of emeralds and rubies. The rich man asked Peter, is this mine? Is this mine? Peter answered, no, this one belongs to your maid. On the little bit of money you paid for her, she raised six children and gave to her church every week. They continued to walk and came to a different section of homes. No other, none, none other that we know. In other words, the ghetto, amen? <laughs> Only these houses, like I said, in the ghetto weren't as nice. As they walked up a small hill, they stopped in front of a shack made of tar paper and used sheet metal. The front door was cut out of an old refrigerator box. It was held together with bailing wire and twine. After pausing for a moment, the rich man asked, and whose is that? Peter responded, why? It's yours. The rich man couldn't believe it. There must be some mistake. Peter bowed his head and said, no, there's been no mistake. We did the best with what you sent ahead. Amen. Why don't we all stand here this morning? It's risky to get up here and it's hard to get up here and speak about money. Even though my whole salvation of 20 plus years, I've been faithful 
in the area of my giving unto the Lord. And it's hard for me to get up here still and knowing that, and though God has blessed my life above and beyond, and, you know, though I gave up a whole lot, me and my wife and my family, to come and start the ministry here in the state of Arizona, here in East Phoenix. But it's difficult at times to still, and all of that, to get up here and try to speak to you about what belongs to God. You think it belongs to you, but what really belongs to God, and that's money, our possessions, our treasures. Beloved, let me encourage you to take this three-part test on a regular basis, the durability test. How long will my things last? Are they temporary, or will they last forever in heaven? How about the heart test? Where am I investing my time and money? What excites me the most, earth or heaven? Which place makes my heart beat just a little bit faster? And lastly, the master test. Is Jesus my master or is something or someone else? Will I serve money on earth and allow it to be my God? Or will I serve God in heaven with my treasures, which are really his? in the first place money matters if you want God to bless your life you need to learn to be a blessing to God if you uh, want to become all that God wants you to be as an individual if you want the favor of God upon your life learn to be faithful in the area of your giving unto the Lord if you want God to take this church from glory to glory to glory we could come in here and I could preach with fire. I could dance a little bit if I really wanted to. I could scream. I could shout. I could jump. I could raise my voice. I could spit probably from here all the way to the back if need be. And preach. I could do that. I ain't going to lie to you. I could do that. I know I can preach if I really tap into the power of God. I know what God is able to do through my life. I could, you know... Get those messages that are just God sent, heaven sent. And when the words come out, it's like you hear the voice behind the voice. I can, you know, through the anointing and the power of God, I can, you know, not only as I begin to weep, you could begin to weep. You know, we can get excited, we could jump, and we could shout, and we could say praise the Lord. We can do all those things. But let me tell you something, all those things ain't going to get us to that next level. All those things, all those things ain't going to continue to further the kingdom of God here in the east side. Because an amen doesn't turn these lights on. An amen, I'm just waiting. I've been seeing, if I've been seeing them and I'm way over here, I know you guys see two burnt bulbs out right there and another burnt one out there. They've been there for like three weeks already. Some of you have pointed them out to me, but maybe God showed you the need for a reason. So an amen ain't going to get that light to turn on. How many of you can say amen for that? A praise the Lord, a tear, as genuine as it may be, will not get that light to turn on. The reality is money matters. It's just the reality. You may say, well, won't God provide? Yeah, you know how he provides through you. We said, no, 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 how dare you? Well, didn't you just learn that what we have doesn't belong to us anyways? It belongs to God. 
but when we have our see the problem is is we have our mind on heaven but our heart is here on this world we want to it's like the children of israel they had their 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 mind on canaan the promised land but their heart was still in the world egypt and we could go a step further ours is our, our, our mind is on heaven one day i can't wait to get to heaven but while we're on this earth our hearts are being consumed by everything that this world has to offer nothing wrong with things i bought and sold houses before i became a senior pastor and answered the call and got here now, i still have nice cars uh, my car that i drive my daily car has been paid off for years it's nice still there's nothing wrong with you know a nice suit here and there and you know the the little bit of my watch my wife bought me like i don't know maybe 10 years ago or so there's nothing wrong with that this bracelet that i've had for about probably 18 years there's nothing wrong with that but the reality is these things i possess they don't possess me if these things possess me i wouldn't be here as your pastor today i would still be working a secular job making good money it's not about that it's about doing what we can there's the way we invest here on earth the way we send our money before us to heaven is by is the only things that will last is the word of god will last forever as well as people we're going to all live for eternity the question is is where everybody's going somewhere either either heaven or hell and some of you you're in this place and you're like man how come he's talking about money i i came and i came because i needed a word well god gave you a word he's telling you to learn to trust him to love him to keep him first and to invest into things that will last for all eternity everything else the nice cars the nice homes the nice clothes even we could say our nice bodies all these things will eventually go back to being dust but the word of god in our soul the soul of people will last forever and we need to be a people that say how are we doing in these different tests of life how are we doing with the durability test how are we doing in this area how are we doing in the, the heart test as well as the master's test and i didn't do the offering because i want us to examine ourselves and look in the mirror before we do the offering here tonight but first we're going to be able to come to the altar and examine ourselves what keeps us up at night what do we think about throughout the day what do we daydream about what do we envision what are our goals what are our aspirations and all those things where is god is god in the center of it does god have anything or any say about it or is it just what we want and what we desire and not even his will let's pray father